Hey guys, and welcome to What Was Her Name? The show where I will uncover the stories of domestic abuse survivors. I'm your host, Maya Hoover. Hey, good morning, you guys, um, and welcome to What Was Her Name? Uh, My name is Maya, and I'm the host of What Was Her Name? Um, I am a little bit under the weather this morning, um, and so just bear with me here. I'm really eager to uh, for you to hear this story, and I am sitting here today with my guest, Brittany. I guess let's start with how did you guys meet? Uh, so we met through a church that we both attended. Um, I was new to the church, I just moved there. Um, where I currently live, I moved there six years ago um, and ended up going to this church with some friends in the area. Um, and he was also there because he was one of the pastors on staff. Okay. So he was a pastor. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. Okay. Yes. Okay. This is right at my, I'm like, okay, like, I didn't know, I didn't know part of your story, but all right, let's get started. Um, how long was the relationship approximately? Um, in total, four years. Uh, the first year was dating slash engagement, and then we were married for a little over three, um, and we are still currently going through the divorce process. Okay. Okay. Um, Yeah. Let's see. And can you describe how the relationship was in the beginning when you first met him? Um, Well, I thought uh, as a Christian that it was everything it was supposed to be. Um, It seemed really perfect to me. Um, I grew up believing that what made sense was that I get married and start a family basically as quick as possible. I thought he was charming, funny, uh, godly. I mean, he was a pastor, so he was super involved in church. Um, And I always said as a little girl that I was going to marry a student pastor. So it was honestly right up my alley. Um, And, uh, you know, at first he seemed to really value me. um, And it was my first real dating relationship. So it was the first time I uh, really felt that value. But the relationship did go really fast, um, and I had expressed just being pretty hesitant several times, uh, but it was met every time with uh, him being sure enough for the both of us, as he phrased it. Um, And I thought this was what I was supposed to do. Um, I also think it's important to note that I met him as I was coming out of the end like right on the tail end of two very traumatic um, essay experiences uh, that were virtually back to back. Um, So I was convinced that the feeling of things moving too fast were just because I'd been through a lot. And, um, you know, he said that he cared about me. So like, you know, it was just kind of, it was on me for being nervous or thinking that like, maybe this is just a little much or something is off or whatever. Yeah. A couple of things that really stand out, um, in this particular portion, um, you say here, uh, he was sure enough for the both of us. I think that's really interesting because, um, I love 
love that this is like we're going to talk about the we're going to talk about a christian man here you know christian man um because it's like this is like something that obviously i'm very passionate about coming out of the church and having also been with somebody who was a christian missionary and then dated a pastor right after that um and experiencing two simultaneous situations that were two men in the church who appeared to be right good and put together and sure enough for the both of us um and how we dismiss and un- maybe unintentionally dismiss our own hesitations because they are pastors in a church and yeah. i think like how much stock do we put in that um well you know like almost kind of gaslighting ourselves mm-hmm. while we're having these hesitations anxieties doubts whatever it is um and first off, I want to say I'm sorry that you had two back-to-back sexual assault experiences. Um, that does something to you and impacts you in a very large way. And so I think it's really sad to read this where you say, I convinced myself that my nerves were just because I had been through a lot. Um, I've definitely been there. I know a lot of us have been there. I currently was there just recently. Um mm-hmm. And I think something I'm realizing and learning is it's really challenging as survivors of really any traumatic experience um, because your central nervous system, right? It like, it's jarring for your central nervous system and you become dysregulated. And so it's like, well, how do you know if you're not feeling anxiety or hesitancy because of distrust that you may have experienced because of a traumatic experience mm-hmm. versus this is my intuition and my gut telling me that this person is not right for me. And that can be really hard. And when we don't have the answer to that, it can pave way for individuals to take advantage of us if they're assholes. And <laughs> <laughs> to be like is a better word for that to be uh to to weasel their way in and take advantage of that really vulnerable space yeah so yeah I think that's kind of just where my head's at reading that um yeah looking back like I it's just like crazy to think back like I didn't trust myself at all. I didn't trust that the things I was feeling could be like could and should be listened to, you know? And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I resonate with everything that you're saying and it's, it's sad to think that like so many people can probably resonate with that. Um, and I, I think about that a lot. I think that's one of the most jarring things for me is the fact that because I was already in a very vulnerable space. And that was one of the very initial things that uh, he learned about me. Um, You know, you don't want to think that it was uh, intentional that like uh, that vulnerable space was almost like a, like a positive thing. Um, But like the longer that I'm out, the more I'm like, Oh, like (laughs) that, that was such a benefit to him. Like, to my detriment, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 
such a benefit to him to my detriment that's yeah mm -hmm. uh painfully like accurate um when did you first notice that something was wrong um, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty. So looking back, there were so many early red flags, but I think the first thing that really started to, um, make me question things was when I got pregnant with our daughter. Um, it was very confusing because there was a lot of back and forth where the words and the actions just did not match up. Um, the, I'm so excited to be a dad um, and I'm so excited to watch you be a mom were the words, but the actions were more like withholding that excitement and almost like a, like a jealousy that now uh, my attention was taken by something or someone, you know, <laughs> um, someone else. And there was just like this lack of even wanting to prepare our home, like even as simple as like moving furniture um, in our home was like, despite never have been uh, a big deal before, um, was all of a sudden like, no, we can't do that because, you know, this child will only take up what it has to take up type of a thing. And like, it was just so strange to me because again, the words were not saying that. Um, that was probably initially when I started to question it. And then after um, our daughter was born, it got so much worse. Um, just this like really not interested uh, in spending time with her. Um, or if there was time wanting to be spent, it was very much, I don't know, the best way I can describe it is if it, it was almost as if the time was only spent if it was benefiting um I mean, obviously himself, but also in a weird way, me, like it was like, a, will do this because it's helpful to you, but not because I actually want to, but it, I don't, I don't even know if that makes sense. It just felt so strange. Like the motives behind, um, any sort of help that I was offered, which was already very little, um, <laughs> uh, he would brag to other people about the small amount that I required quote-unquote required of him um just that like I was the best wife because I didn't make him do all of the hard things like you know I mean really any part of caring for a newborn as you've cared for a newborn before so um mm -hmm. uh, yeah so that's like just kind of initially when I started to really question what was going on and like the best way that I can describe it is just this like feeling of something is so off but I cannot figure out at all what it is because the words were there but the actions were not but it was like everything just felt so like I'll say what I need to say but I'm not going to actually do anything to change if that makes sense um so yeah, I just, things just felt really off and I, I didn't tell anyone for a really long time because I was like, you know, this is, I knew, I, I felt like I knew at the time, this was not what marriage was supposed to look like. Um, and I blamed myself a lot for that, um, because of my past and like, you know, what can I do to make sure that our marriage is, um, honoring God. And, um, I, I wouldn't even entertain anything with divorce. Like, um, I just thought 
I'm trapped here. This is something I signed up for. Um, I don't have a choice um, in this. And it wasn't even until I started attending counseling um, on my own, which I'll, I'll get to that a little bit later. Um, but it wasn't until I started attending counseling and my counselor started talking to me about what an abusive relationship could look like um, that I even considered that because I think you've even said it before on the podcast, like not identifying with the girl on the poster. Um, I definitely did not. And I just, I defended him at first. Like, I just was like, he's a Christian. Like, I don't even think that he knows that he's hurting me or that mm. it's coming off the way that it is. Like, what if this is just something we have to work through? Like maybe his anger issues or his like need to control things. Like, I don't know. I, I don't even know if I would have put those words to it, but I just defended him and just was like, well, my past has been really hard. Maybe this is just me. I'm too emotional. I'm too, you know, broken essentially. Like I just, counseling was like so wild for me because it was the first time to even think that I had a choice in the matter at all. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think that's really, uh, really powerful. You didn't mention it. I don't know. You, you said something here about when you sat in the car. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was, um, <laughs> this was an interesting time because it was after, um, he had just been, uh, he had just had a conversation with his boss at the church that we attended basically um you know not really doing his job uh and basically they were putting him for lack of a better word on a form of like probation where um that's a long story that is kind of relevant but basically he was being put on probation because he wasn't doing his job um and then at the end of I think it was a three month span. And after some coaching and things, uh, we were going to revisit the topic of if this was the job that like he needed to stay at. Um, and this was before I had, uh, like things had not really, really hit the fan yet, I guess. Um, we had had some conversations prior, but, um, I don't know, things still felt like as long as I walk on eggshells, like things are mild. <laughs> um, so after learning that though, I thought like, oh my gosh, like we're not only going to be forced out of church, which at the time was my soul community, um, but now we're going to have to move uh, somewhere else in the country because, you know, he always talked about just like us moving and like starting a whole new life somewhere else and just like leaving the past behind type of a thing. And I remember sitting in the car by myself and like, I was, I, <laughs> it was like the hardest, I think I've cried ever in my life at that point. Like I physically thought like I was going to like die of just this like fear of, I cannot go alone anywhere with this person. Um, but at the same time, I, I continued that mindset of I'm trapped. Like I, I, you know, got married uh, at the time, like two, two years ago, three, two and a half, something like that. Like I got married, I signed a legal document, but I also made a promise to God that I would fight through really hard times in my marriage. And 
this is one of those really hard times and I just have to like go wherever he wants us to go and I don't really have a say in it and I just it was like the worst (laughs) um like just a very pivotal moment for me um trying to prepare myself that like this is what the next you know 50 years is going to look like and I just need to accept that type of a thing um I just was having a really hard time accepting it obviously (laughs) yeah I think it's really uh I can I can resonate a lot with your story and like I keep saying like I'm really glad that, that we're talking about uh marriage within Christianity uh just because like I feel like that's really heavy on my heart as of late and I think it's really sad um like you wrote here um uh Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Sorry, where did you let's see it's you just I don't know what it was specifically that rang to me, but you said like for the longest time I didn't even entertain a divorce. Um and I think like I mean obviously as in Christianity as Christians, like it's like you don't entertain divorce because you are making a covenant towards somebody, and that sort of like draws a line of like don't cross this line, like you Mm -hmm. made a covenant and like there's no way out like you just went through it and I remember when I I remember like you know as the abuse started to ensue but I didn't even know it was abuse because he was Christian so I was like well he's not abusing me um and then I'm like well I have a a, very similar to you I have a hard past I have a lot of things and get constantly gaslighting myself and it's like not enough to be like to align with the woman on the uh, domestic violence poster. Mm -hmm. And I think that phrase, even I just said it myself, it wasn't enough. Um, I felt like it wasn't enough abuse. Like it wasn't enough to call it abuse. And there's that line that's drawn there and that you have for yourself of like, I'm not going to cross this. So I'm not going to entertain divorce. I'm not going to entertain the idea of divorce or people who bring up divorce. Divorce is not an option. And Mm -hmm you really do mentally set yourself up of like, okay, is this how the next 50 years are going to be? Almost as like, okay, well, I, I as a wife and as a Christian, I just need to like die more to myself um, mm-hmm. and just pray more. And like, if this is like, if this is the call in my life, then like, so be it. I will for the next 50 years be married to this man because the line is drawn. I'm not crossing over it. And this was my choice. I married this person and that's that. And I think like Christians who will listen to this will get annoyed by that statement because they're like, well, you did sign up for it and you are supposed to die to yourself. And, you know, <laughs> did he cheat on you? Because the Bible says that is unless there is, you know, and it's like, just stop, yeah. stop. Because it's like, there are so many things that as a man of God, as a husband, you are called to um, hold up. 
And there are so many Christian men who are not holding up their end of the bargain. And then as wives, we're called to like be submissive or to, I don't know, like just pray for our husbands or like what we've just recently come upon on the podcast or on the, on my Instagram, be more feminine, like tap into your femininity. And it's just like, there's so many things placed on like a woman in the church and like it breaks my heart and makes me so mad that he's like bragging about the fact that he doesn't need to really do anything in his household (laughs) like the amount of times that I have heard Christian men like who are older than me who have wives and they kind of like make these little like passive or like these little condescending jokes about how oh you know well so and so she just takes care of the kids and she just you know you just give them give them to her she'll know what to do in what ways do you feel like you coped as you were beginning to realize that something was wrong and something was off and this was your future for the next you know 50 plus years um well I Probably wouldn't have even identified it as coping until after leaving. Um, I was outside of my house a lot, or or I won't even say outside of the house as much as even like if he was in the house, I wasn't, and vice versa. Like it was like I was just never in the same space. Um, I spent, I mean, I mean, I worked from home, so uh, I oftentimes was home but he went to work and so I felt like that was still space away um and I remember like him dropping by uh you know just to grab lunch or something and just the like physical reaction of my body like just the the amount of like anger and panic that would like arise like you know almost like my privacy being invaded which felt really strange because I was like I mean he lives here like why is it bothering me you know, to this level, but I would spend a lot of time just like away as much as possible. Um, I, I feel like the, the best way I can describe it is just being like a shell. Like I felt like I was just trying to like make it day to day of like, okay, if this is my calling for the next 50 years, like my goal is to just every day, make it through as unscathed as possible like don't bring up any hard topics don't um really try not to be around a lot like make as many plans uh as possible um which was just like a really weird way to live because I really liked being home um prior to being married and like just being home and being cozy and um I don't know like it it just was like so unlike me um and so I, I recognized that a lot. Uh, I also, this this more so came probably after um, things started to really climax, but I stopped eating a lot, which I just had a baby. And so I lost weight really, really quickly, which um, I had a lot of people comment like, oh, wow, you lost the baby weight like so fast. Like you're so lucky. And um you know, in my mind, I was like, uh, this is way fat. Like, this is not how this was supposed to be. And I just never felt like I wanted to eat. I never felt like it was worth, um, like it wasn't even a conscious, like I want to not eat. So something bad happens to me. It was just like, I was so mentally drained that I felt like that took too much, um, energy and, 
it was just, yeah. Um, I'm still working on gaining that, that weight back. Um, even now, uh, living in a new space definitely helps, but for a long time, it was just really difficult to eat. Um, uh, I did, I mean, positively, I did a lot of artwork and singing. Um, I like to, uh, do a lot of art and calligraphy and I love to sing. And those were things that I would do a lot to just like get myself through the day. Um, and, and hang out with my daughter just, I mean, as she, I just like to watch her sleep and things like that. So again, I think my, my mentality was like, what can I do to make it from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed and like repeat the process all over again? Yeah. Um, um, oh, one other thing I would say here too, like I, I didn't spend time with a lot of different people. Uh, weirdly enough, I really spent time with just like one person, which honestly wasn't super uh probably not ideal like I didn't feel like I had this massive community of people but a big part of that I think was because um I didn't want people to ask me how my relationship was or like how life was because I felt like I didn't know how to answer them in yeah. a way that, yeah like felt acceptable and so I only would spend time with a close friend that I felt like had more information than others um I just was like, I felt the need to protect him. You know, he was a pastor, like people really looked up to him. So I was like, I don't know who I'm supposed to even tell about this. And like, he's over here telling people that our marriage is awesome. So, you know, mm -hmm. where is my, where's my voice in that? So I just like stopped uh, being around a lot of people, um, which was also really hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes it's easier to like isolate ourselves than to surround ourselves with others, especially because, I mean, if you, it's like you have to protect their image mm -hmm. and anything that taints that, you have to be very cautious and tread very lightly. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, I can resonate and, and I can imagine that must have been really hard, like to not feel like you have the space to have a voice and needing to kind of you were like almost like kind of pushed out of your home like you you couldn't be in your home in a safe place because that person was there all the time and then on top of that you had to kind of like withdraw from community in general because you're like I need to protect this person at all costs and if they get too close to me they're going to see that something's not right yeah yeah and it was just a very clear uh, expectation that we don't tell other people our issues um, and even the friend that I would tell uh, it was this weird dynamic of like him being okay that I talked to her but only to a certain extent mm. uh, and like having limits on what I could and couldn't share and so I tried to like protect protect those things that I was sharing um but just this weird like I was like I don't know who we're supposed to talk to like especially if this is just you know marriage is really hard and we're supposed to fight through it and and I believe in the power of community in helping that like where is that how, how do you access that community if we're not supposed to talk to people to even get through the tough time you know <laughs> I know I often think that I'm like where do the pastor's wives go 
<laughs> you know, cause it's like yeah. as pastors, like, or as, you know, being in, like being in the church and being in leadership, people go to you for those problems. But then like, when you have those problems, where do you go? Because you're supposed to have it all together or at least look like you have it all together. And so it's like, where do they go? You know, yeah. like it's, it's just, I don't know. I, in some ways I'm like, I, I can very much like, I think not talking to anybody and having like that one close person and kind of isolating yourself in that way I can resonate with. But I also feel like even if you were to talk to a bunch of people in the church or talk to more people, I just have seen in my life and then in so many others lives where, you know, they're silenced even further because yeah, I mean, the line is drawn, like you are in a covenant. And so you don't cross over that line. And like, it's just, it's, I don't think that a lot of people in the church are trying to harm other people, but like the, a lot of like the ideologies and beliefs that they have, like it yeah. it can be really harmful for yeah. women in the church. And I just, it's a whole different episode and subject, but it really like kind of uproots those listening to your story um how did being abused manifest in your life like I know we just talked about kind of like the physical aspect of it but like do you want to talk more in in depth about that yeah um this was the hardest question for me to answer because it it feels so all over the place to even describe like what life looked like um so I don't know. I'm going to try this. Um, I think I mentioned in the last question just that I felt like a shell um, and just like, how do I survive through the next day? Um, Looking back, like I was very depressed. Um, I, I, I just, you know, people, people have described like broken heart syndrome. I don't, I assume that's a real thing. That's what it felt like. It's just like, I am like hurting all the time um and just feeling this like need to protect myself and guard myself in my own space um and like anytime I would think about you know just die to yourself like this is this is marriage like you know you have to do this for the next forever like as long as you're you're with this person um I would just like panic like I would have just it was terrible. Like I, I'd never struggled with like panic attacks or anything like that before, but I just like would really freak out. Um, and just like, God, how in the world am I supposed to do this? And like through all of this, my relationship with God, like was strengthening because it was like, I was talking to him all the time, which I guess that's like a, a a positive. Um, I, I definitely was like, God, if I'm supposed to do this for 50 years or whatever like I need you to help me get through every single day um and something else that like I I I just like refuse to let him see me upset like even when things were like really painful or like we wouldn't like if we watched like a sad movie or like um like I mean I gave birth to a child which is like a pretty intense experience um I just like refuse to be upset or cry um I felt like showing that level of vulnerability really I mean for any level of vulnerability but like crying was the best way that like I could um 
express that, I guess, like, uh, anytime that I was expressed that I would feel this, like, like he would in his comfort to me would, it would turn into a conversation of, I just like, love you so much. Like, can we please have sex? And so I equated like me being upset about literally anything with like his right to my body. Um, and like, that sounds really strange, but I just like refused. I was just like, I will not let you see that I'm like upset about anything. So it like limits the exposure that I have to being asked to do anything. If, if that makes sense. Um, you showed like vulnerability, he would console you and then that would lead to him wanting to be intimate yes hmm. yeah so you're like into so you're like vulnerability is not safe because then I'm it's almost like he he's like well I I consoled you so now in return yeah 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 and so I hated that um partially due to the fact that I had not had great sexual experiences prior to being married. And then now in marriage, I felt like, well, again, I signed up for this. This is his right. Like as my spouse, I'm supposed to give this, even though no part of me wants to, um, I just have to like suffer through it type of a thing. Mm. Um, there was also like so much gaslighting um, and that has continued since separation um that's that just like a huge i'm sure that's very common in most abusive relationships but i thought i was actually like psychotic um he would recount situations like even just not even fights like just general situations back to our friends and family to any, like anytime we were in counseling um or anyone we were talking to really like it was always recounted differently than it happened and for a while I was like do do I have like a terrible memory like that is not how I know that it happened um and I started to see this more even in counseling because it was it was like we're trying to get help from this professional and what you're sharing is not at all like what I remember it so then I would try and give my version of it and it always felt like his voice was more powerful. Um, and it would just be like, well, you know, maybe you guys just have two different situations, you know, two different memories of, of how it happens. Like that happens amongst that, that happens amongst couples, like, you know, not a big deal. Um, and somehow like I always took the brunt of the blame. Like if there was a situation where it was like a fight, it would be spun in such a way that I did something. Um, I didn't hear correctly. Um, I didn't acknowledge what he was feeling. Like it was never even mutual ownership or his own ownership. Like it was nothing like that. Um, so I just thought like I was losing my mind. Um, like even just simple things like, did you buy me this t-shirt? And I'd be like, yeah, I bought you that. And like, he'd be like, no, you didn't buy me this. And I'm like, I, I know I went to the store and bought that. Like a month ago like it still has the tags on it and he'd be like nope you didn't buy it like it was just like even little things like that and I was just like I I'm literally insane like something is mentally not right in me wow. um, I, never, I never really even put it back on him for a long time um and I think uh, 
like you're aware of what that is now, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank uh, lots of therapy. Um, I could, yeah, my counselor is amazing. And I realized so many things that I thought were normal are not normal. And that is so much gaslighting, so much, um, like psychological, uh, what felt like psychological torture, honestly, but, um, yeah, it, yes. It was, yeah. It was terrible though. <laughs> yeah. I think that, I mean, you see this in the, in the breaking down of an individual, um, where like, you know, women will question their sanity, um, mm. and feel like they are going insane, right. In the, in the midst of gaslighting. And I heard someone say this once, and I'm going to say this with caution, but I'm also going to say it. Someone once said to me, if it feels like gaslighting, it probably is gaslighting. Mm. And that used to really trigger me in relationships after my abusive ex-husband, because I'd be in situations where I felt like I was being gaslit. And then I, I remember that saying, like, if you feel like you're being gaslit, you probably are and thinking, well, no, but like, that's just my trauma speaking. Um, but they were actually gaslighting me. And so it's like, it's just kind of funny to like, look back on that and be like, no, nah, that was, I was being gaslit again. Um, but being made to question your experiences, um, is to be honest, like I, I mean, I know that there are so many different forms of abuse, but like the gaslighting and feeling like you are going literally insane is one of the worst feelings I think in the entire world. Like I literally remember that. And I listening to you talk about that. It's like, I don't know. I'm like, I would have rather like, I've heard many women on the podcast say this. They're like, I would have rather been hit than be like mentally tortured to think that I literally am losing the night. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's really like screwed up to like, to think like what makes somebody like make someone else question their reality, reality like that. But if you're questioning your, your own reality, then you're not going to be able to stand on a solid ground to hold them accountable for their actions because you don't know what is up and what is down, what is real and what is not. And, um, that is a very, very scary place to be mentally. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I, I think I talk about this in my outline even further down, but like, um, you know, even trying to articulate certain things to people when I did start to speak or even like trying to just talk to someone to get their thoughts every time I would go to talk about a situation, it would suddenly feel either insignificant or like, is this even real? Like, it was like, in my head, I was like, did I dream this? Like, I cannot tell what happened and what didn't almost. Um, or it would just seem so small because it would be like, well, at least, you know, at least he didn't hit you, or at least he didn't hold a gun to your head. Or, um, you know, there, there's no, like, I don't know, like, it, it, at least X didn't happen. Um, but then I remember just being like, especially when I started to really learn um, more in counseling and, and just more about this experience, it was just like, no, he didn't do those things, but I wish that he did. And like, I prayed so many times, like just one time I need 
him to like lose his mind and like gosh do something extreme which was just like horrible to pray and like I'm not really sure that God answers prayers like that um because I obviously that's not like what he wants but at the same time it was just like if I could make someone see that this is not well I say someone if I could even make myself (laughs) see this is not just this small you know, you have to suffer through this type of a thing, then maybe I would feel better about leaving or maybe other people would understand why I left. Um, Yeah, it was just, I mean, I would never wish that on someone else, but for myself, I was just like, I can handle it. Like that would be so much better than the gaslighting if it was just like one time something quote unquote more extreme would happen. Um, And I don't know if that would have made a difference, like, especially knowing now what I know about family court and things like, I don't know if that would have actually made a difference, but in my mind, it would have at least justified things sooner. Um, But yeah, it's just really sad to have to like wish that upon yourself. (laughs) Yeah, that makes me super emotional, like listening to you say that, Um, because I think it's like... (laughs) That sentence you said, like just praying for him to do just one thing that mm-hmm. would explain why you left or give yeah. you reason to cross over that line out of covenant. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's like, I remember um, she was she was on um an earlier season her name's michelle armstrong she gave uh her story and she had like a youtube channel and she's christian she i think was i think he was also a pastor um and she created these youtube videos and basically her premise was like you don't need to be hit or have bruises to leave and that talked about like how like certain actions and, 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 you know, like emotional abuse breaks covenant and like, you're free to like walk out of that. And like, that's not something that's being preached. Like that's not something that Christian wives feel like they have a, a, an out, uh, for like, if you're in a relationship and you're in the church, um, and, you're married to someone who's a Christian, like, like it's not enough. Like it it really isn't like your story. It's enough. Like sitting here listening. I'm like, no, you have so many things here and we're not, we're still walking through it now through the outline, but like in, within the church, it's not enough to leave. Like that's like a disgusting statement, but it's true. And like the amount of times that I sat and prayed and said, like, I just hope that he hits me or like tried to figure out how to catch him cheating. Cause I'm like, if, if I could just figure out if he's being, he, if he's being um, unfaithful, then I can leave. And even like when I started to ask pastors and yeah, pastors, both women and men, like, can I leave? You know, this is, I'm literally, like you said, a shell of a person. I am not going to make it if I don't get out of this home. Um, and then immediately returning with these same statements, right? Like 
well, has he hit you? Did he cheat on you? Well, no. Well, then it's not enough. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. And that's why I like, I'm just, I feel very passionate around this subject. And Michelle Armstrong, when I came across her videos, I was out of the relationship. I had been out. I was in America, but I was still wrestling because I was like, I heard the the voice of a pastor who said to me, if you walk away, if you leave him, then for the rest of your life, you are called to pray for him, pray for his salvation and pray for his healing. And you're not allowed to get married for the rest of your life because the Bible doesn't say that you can And thinking that even if I'm not enslaved to this man for the next 50 years in a household, that I have to be enslaved to him from far away. And I came across her videos and she, you know, talked about how emotional abuse breaks covenant. And I remember weeping and just feeling so grateful that I came across her space because that was the first woman, first Christian who'd ever talked about something like this. And I never looked back. And then she was on the podcast, which is incredible. Um, and I got to talk to her, which was so, so beautiful. Um, but why am I saying that? I'm saying that because it's like, this is not a conversation being talked about in church. It's just not. And there are like far too many Christians who are suffering um, underneath abusive marriages who feel like they don't have a way out. And like the, the like actual heartbreak of realizing that like you sat there and prayed for a man to like just lose his absolute shit so that it could prove that you have a reason to leave. Like that that's the place that like we feel like we have to be in is wild. And that's not even the father's heart. Like it's like literally so far from God's heart, but, but people have misused and, and defended and shamed women for even thinking about divorce that then there are abused, battered women, battered internally who are praying that this man would just give him a good old black eye or just catch them cheating just so that they have an excuse, right? Um, to offer up to Christians to be able to leave. Um, And it's like, it's heartbreaking and it's scary. And that's like why part of this podcast is so powerful. And like, I'm super grateful that you're talking about this in this space because it opens up conversation. And I guarantee you, like guarantee you that I don't know when, but someone's going to listen to this and we're going to get a message and it's going to be a Christian woman. And she's going to say, Hey, I listened to Brittany's story and I'm a wife of a pastor. Or I, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I realized that I am excused from the table and I can leave. And mm-hmm. that's so brilliant and beautiful about sharing your story in this space because it opens up dialogue and another wife is going to come along something like this, just like I did with Michelle Armstrong. And they're going to realize like, I'm excused from the table and mm-hmm. it's beautiful. So, so beautiful, but heartbreaking at the same time. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I, I won't lie. Like there are still times when I pray some form of that um, because, and and maybe I'll talk more about family court a little bit later on, but um, just 
what it feels like to not have a system believe anything or care about anything that you've been through and just like wanting something so tangible. Um, and, and I mean, having been removed from it, like I know that my, like I now know that my story was enough to leave, but at the same time, like, you know, it's like you just, you want something else to like show other people. And it's just, it is, it's really sad because if I, if I've learned anything from this, it's that like, we are not the only people that are in these situations. And what's sad is that there's a lot of, well, I know there's going to be a lot of women that, that don't get out or that it takes them so long because again, same thing that, that I thought, like same thing that we all think. And it, it is, it's just really sad because you just want to be like, no, this is, this does not have to be your story. Um, but I remember feeling like, yes, it does. Like it just has to be, this is just how it is, you know? Um, and, and, and that's where like trying to piece all of this even together of like, how, how did abuse manifest in your daily life? I'm like, ah, it's so hard to even like make sense of that because there's so many things that like, you know, if you just tell one small situation by itself, it may not seem like quote unquote enough, but it's like, you start to piece together, at least for me, like I started to piece together so many things that I was like, there's something more going on here. This is not just like, oh, we have different communication styles or, oh, like I'm more emotional than he is, or I, uh, you know, like we just haven't, we're, we're young and, you know, we just got married. So we have to learn how to fight better. Like it took me so long to even realize that there's more to it than just those like blanket statements that we try and push through these really toxic uh, relationships. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, will you talk about the bait and switch game yeah um so that was it, it was this weird game that we would play um I was not interested in it but we'd be in a fight or an intense conversation and uh things would you know kind of settle down I never really felt like they were settled but he would then say like he's so sorry like um he's gonna change he's gonna work on that um and that he would say, I trust you to do what you think is best. Like whatever the situation was, like, I trust you to do what you think is best. So then I would do so. And like, whatever that choice looked like, um, whatever I thought was best for me, um, he would then turn back around saying, well, if you really loved me, you would have chosen it my way because I expressed that this affected me X, Y, and Z and you're not listening. And so it was like, well, why even tell me that I can make a choice? Like, um, like clearly I didn't have a choice, you know? And I remember, um, one specific situation, uh, telling him, uh, this was actually during our initial stages of separation. We still, um, were trying to attend counseling and, you know, work things out because that's just like what the situation was at the time. But I stated, I said, no one is ever going to believe me if I tell them the kind of person that you are behind closed doors. And it was like, I was like going down the stairs. I like still remember this so vividly. I was going down the stairs and I like 
yelled that back at the top of like, no one's ever going to believe me. And it was like his whole demeanor shifted into this like, I don't know, like it, it was just something I've never seen before. It was like his whole demeanor just went to this like cold, almost like black hole type of a look is the best way I can describe it. Like, um, just, like a hollow eyes, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was just like that you're not even there anymore. And he just said, well, that must be so painful, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um and I, I left and I didn't, those words just like, it, it, it felt weird because it was like, well, yeah, it is painful. Like what you're saying is true. And it, and it almost felt like at the time I was supposed to view that as some form of compassion, like how sad is, you know, like almost this form of empathy, like how sad is it that people may not believe what you say? Um, it's not actually that, but at the time I questioned, like, was he saying that out of like, you know, oh, I'm like, I'm so sorry that you went through that, you know, like type this, this kind of like manipulative, like, well, that must be so painful, isn't it? But like, you know, being further on the other side, it's like, that was not compassion. That was, (laughs) that was anything but compassion. It was just, you know, this cold statement of like, this power move, you know, like, yeah, no one's going to believe you like sucks for you um, type of a thing, uh, you know? And, and I just, I remember that so vividly. Um, hmm. It, yeah. Hmm. yeah. <clears throat> I hear that. I don't know what that is. I hear that. Like, I mean, now we're on the fifth season. Like I literally have lost count of how many times women have said, have talked about the um kind of just hollow eyes like there's nothing really like a shell kind of look um I don't know what that is like it's just really interesting to me uh maybe somebody who's listening can be like oh this is what that is I just love to know why things work the way they do and I'm like what is that (laughs) because I feel like that's something I hear a lot of women say in really like moments where you know it sends shivers down their spine and they're like he looked at me in a way where it was like his eyes, like it just were kind of lifeless mm-hmm. um, and kind of just like a shell of a person. Um, but I think in that phrase, him saying, well, well, that must be so painful, isn't it? It's like he knew what he was doing and he knew that in some ways you wouldn't be believed like, and you also knew that, um, you say to hear that that was the rule. No one gets to know about your real life. Yeah. 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 You're to hang with people, but only on his approved list. Yeah. Um, it just goes back to like, people couldn't know what was actually going on um like even and and not even that like there was just this list of like here are all the people you can't talk to but it was like even if I tried to share with people what I felt like was happening like I feel very um not listened to I feel like um you know like gaslighting I don't even know if I used that term at that time but like I feel all of these things it was like immediately it would be turned 
turned around like even in a counseling session it was like it would be turned around to be like well that's not it at all like that's just her perception um like I remember going to a counseling appointment it was our very first one with a new counselor uh, when we first separated and um the counselor's asking you know how did we meet each other um and his very first statement was that uh the re- the way he knew he loved me was because I had been through two sexual assaults and I was just so strong through them um, that he just like wanted to spend life with me. And I remember, of course, the counselor then like derails the conversation is like, oh, let's talk about those. Like, um, and, and I remember feeling in that moment so powerless of like, here I am trying to share like what is currently going on. And it was this, let's divert attention to the fact that like these really, I mean, a counselor is going to hear that and be like, those are really traumatic experiences. And there's probably a lot we need to unpack there just to like move the conversation away from like reality of what was happening. Um, it it was yeah and i and i didn't know at the time like how do i even fight for myself like how do i even say because i, I wasn't healed from those things like it wasn't like oh those don't bother me anymore they were still fairly new so i, I didn't feel like i had the ability to say oh <laughs> yep totally over those they don't bother me this is a whole new issue um but at the same time i knew that that was not the entirety of the story um right. and for you to say that's how you knew that you loved me like honestly that's probably pretty true um mm. it it did create this dynamic of like huh like I got one that is already mm. trying to come up for air is how I view it you know mm-hmm. yeah I think a lot of the things like you're saying too I don't think that's a far stretch what you're saying either um I think that it sounds I mean abusers prey on women like secret and people who have trauma people who've gone through hard shit you're a prime suspect you just are Mm -hmm. um but they also undermine the fact that you're really fucking brave and smart and courageous and so like you can withstand and have uh you stand on a very firm ground and I think like I can just hear the strength in your voice um even so he picked the wrong he picked the wrong person because like here we are today <laughs> um and you're out um and free from him you know in some realms and other realms maybe not with your children but um <clears throat> I think that's a really honestly kind of weird like statement like how did you know she was like I knew she was the one because she was really strong because she suffered two sexual assaults like that's so weird like <laughs> like why not say like talk about her character who she is as a woman like what well, I don't know I just think that's weird that's a weird thing to say. Um, and then, yeah, it diverts tension. And then it's almost kind of like, oh, well, how much of your marital problems are because you have trauma? <laughs> let's unpack right. that. It's like, yeah. well, you know, yeah, let's not dismiss a survivor's trauma, but also let's talk about what the core issues are here because my sexual assault is not really one of them. You know, it's like kind of like, like that's like something I'm dealing with, but it's not really why we're sitting here in your room for marriage counseling. Yeah. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the uh, intimacy that you guys have? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think probably more women 
than I even can fathom could identify with this. So I would like to talk about this for sure. Um, so when he would ask to have sex, he would say that it was my choice. And again, this is where like the words and the actions don't always line up. Um, he would say it was my choice. There was never like, he never gave this, um, you know, you have no choice right now. You're going to have sex with me. Or like there was no physical forcing or anything like that. And I know that is some people's stories, but for, for me, it was, if I did then choose to say no, um, he would then inform me that as a woman of God, uh, it was my job to have sex with him, you know, like, um, and if I chose to say no, again, it was my choice, but, um, he still has needs that need to be met. So now he can't be in my presence. He can't touch me. Um, he can't, there can be no physical affection for a set amount of time, uh, whatever he decides, I guess, um, because he can't control himself from wanting to like be intimate. Um, when I actually left, um, something that was really interesting to me that, uh, we had been apart for like a week. And when I actually left, he asked me like, Hey, before you leave, like, I just told him, like, I, we, I would like to separate. And his response was before you leave, can we like have a quick one? Because otherwise I'm going to do things that you're going to regret as if it was like my regret to have because he couldn't control himself that he, it, it was just very strange to me. Um, but it got to the point that that happened so often um, that one, I just didn't even like to say no because I didn't like this like impending disappointment that came with it. Um, and these statements of, well, now we can't be in the same room type of a thing um, because I was trying to get to a place of like, you know, I, I have been through really hard sexual experiences. So I need to start off really uh, small and like, I need to even learn what it feels like to have safety in just simply like cuddling with someone. And so like, that was something that I was trying to work at of like, let's just cuddle, like, let's just do all of these really small things like let's just kiss and let me get used to that type of a thing um but it all of that was taken off the table because i wouldn't go even further um and so it got to the point where i would start asking ahead of time like i would almost try to like beat him to it of like let's have sex because I thought at least that way I had control over when I did and didn't have to offer myself and like it didn't feel as much of like a force and and it's weird because again there was no like I wasn't being held down I wasn't being like tied to any you know like you know you hear all of these really horrible stories of things like that but like the mental game still felt very much like you are supposed to do this whether you want to or not whether this is good for you or not um it's going to happen so I thought at least if I offer it it would make him excited to be like oh like yes, let's do that right now. So then I would have like a few days, you know, a day or two or three of like freedom from being asked. Or like, if I was asked, I felt better about being like, you know, oh, well, I, uh, you know, we just did that like a couple of days ago and I offered that. So like, can I have a break type of a thing? Yeah. 
your story just makes me like emotional. Um, I think it's just like, uh, yeah, it just makes me like emotional. It's just, um, hard to listen to. I think just because it's like you along with so many other women are, and including myself, like I know this feeling as well. It's like, you said something so powerful. You said like, you know, he wasn't holding you down or anything, you know, but you were required as a wife, a Christian wife to have sex with your husband and your body. Um, I mean, within the church, we talk about, you know, like both of your bodies simultaneously like belong to each other. And that gets really mixed up and becomes sexual assault. And, you know, I want to share this really quickly um, because I think it's beautiful and I think you would value this statement along with others. Um, I had had a conversation with um, somebody who I used to be in a relationship with and uh, a while back, and this was after my abusive ex-husband and we were talking about sexual intimacy within marriage. And I think that's a really important conversation to have prior to getting married. And I don't think that a lot of people have that conversation about their views around sex within the church. Um, because you don't really think like when you're marrying a Christian, you don't think that sexual assault is going to be even a topic like, like that you're going to deal with that. Nobody thinks when they get married, like, Hey, I just want to make sure, like, what are your views around sex? Because I don't want to be sexually assaulted. Like nobody's going to, nobody's going to think something like that. Yeah, It's really important to have those conversations. And I mean, you ask it with any partner, but within Christian, I think Christian marriages to ask that question of like, Hey, what's your view around this? Like, what, what do you, like, how do you see it? Does a Christian wife, like when it, when it comes to sex and when it comes to not wanting to have sex, like, what are your views around this? Because I'm really surprised by some of the things that I've heard and, um, someone who I was in a relationship with more recently, we had talked about this subject and he said to me, um, well, it really just depends on how many times you say no. Hmm. And I remember Hmm. looking at him and I said, what? And he said, well, we're called to be slaves to each other. And I said, no, we are Mm -hmm. not called to be slaves to each other. Like that is not the design that God has. (laughs) Yeah. Like immediate swerve. Um, and, uh, I processed that because we had been in a relationship for a long time, like a long time. We were like rearing the end of like, you know, potential engagement. And he said, well, it depends on the amount of times And if it's like three times or more, that's not good because as a wife, your body belongs to me. And then I said, well, I don't want to be forced to have sex if I don't want to have sex because there are going to be dry seasons in a marriage where you're not going to want to have sex. Like that's not a secret. What happens if you're pregnant and you just had a baby or maybe something happens and you're you're uncomfortable in your body and your skin or, you know, you're struggling in your marriage. And he was like, well, you know, and then it poses the question of pornography. And like, as a wife, um, are you like, you know, men will say this, like, well, if you're not giving me sex, then like, 
don't be mad about what happens after because I'm a man and I have I have sexual urges and needs. And then it's placed again on the woman of like, well, you didn't fulfill him sexually. Um, so therefore, like, you know, is it your fault that he's watching porn? Is it your fault that he had an affair? Like, and like some people who are listening to this are probably like, what the fuck? But like, this is a real thing happening in the church. And um, recently I had talked to somebody who is a guy who's not a Christian and we were talking about intimacy and I, I said, you know, well, within the church, like it's seen as like, if a guy talks to you about intimacy outside of marriage, that is seen as like a temptation. Like that's seen as like, you know, oh, well, like this must not be the person for you because if he's encouraging you, you to have sex outside of marriage, that's not godly. Like that's not God's heart. Um, which to an extent, you know, the, the point that I'm trying to make is that he said to me, well, if a guy who's a Christian is trying to push a girl to have sex with him, that's not intimacy that's coercion right that really hit me because I was like huh how many women are being coerced into having sex but it's not assault like they're not they're not holding you down pinning you down you're not in a dark alleyway but you're being coerced to have sex like that's not intimacy that is not genuine intimacy when somebody needs to coerce you into having sex with them And I'm really grateful that he said that to me because it kind of changed a little bit of my views around this, I think, Um, because if it ever feels like coercion, like it probably is. And that also is not the father's heart. And so it hurts me to hear you say like that you would even initiate sex just so that you felt like you had control. That's heartbreaking. And it's like, just, it makes me sad that you just have had like bad experiences. And then on top of that, being in a marriage where you felt like also not safe and like you owed your body to somebody, um, and shame on him for taking advantage of that, knowing that you were a sexual assault survivor. That's fucked up. What would you say was the climax of your abuse story? Um, yeah, so I feel like there's been several like climaxes, so to speak, but, uh, the first thing that, uh, the first one that I'll talk about, um, is just, uh, at one point I had come to him basically to tell him, uh, that I felt a lot of similar things like I had in my previous sexual assaults. And, um, I didn't want to feel like I felt those same similar feelings in my relationship with him. Um, I was still very certain that um, this might have been just due to triggers and things that have happened in my past. So I came to him with like basically a short bulleted list of things to share. But in that, I was also, I was very clear, like I cannot live like this for the rest of my life. So like this has got to change. Um, so there wasn't any, you know, beat around the bush of like, I may or may not be leaving. It was like, if this does not change, I will not do this forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at least as clear as I could be at the time. So I was like, you know, I, I want to go to therapy on my own. And then if you would be willing, it would be great if we could come together for marriage counseling. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had responded almost as if he knew that that was coming. Like, it was like, his words were so perfect. There was like, I mean, if you can just imagine the most ideal response at the time, I remember thinking he just responded so perfectly. I'm like truly insane. Like how in the world did I 
like, how was I so scared to have this conversation? Um, and that was at the time a pretty common cycle with him, but I didn't recognize it. Uh, so the next day though, um, he came home from work. Um, he had bought flowers. He <clears throat> threw them, like he threw the bouquet at my head and said, this better show you how much I love you. Um, I can't even believe that you would consider leaving me because that is not what God wants from us. Um, uh, he, in that same, basically the same sentence, I mean, I was just like flabbergasted. I don't even know if I responded, but he told me that he would be dropping off our newborn uh, at the time. I mean, just a couple months old, uh, dropping, dropping her off with his parents that live seven hours away um, for us to go on an intense two week marriage camp basically um he was going to quit his job as a pastor to make sure that we were fixed um i obviously told him no like i'm going to stay with my baby like uh that seemed very insane to me um he also then asked if i had seen a counselor yet because i had stated you know that i wanted to to find one and i said no it's only been i mean it hadn't even been 24 hours at that point right. um he said that I must not be very serious about fixing us because I've had all day to find one. Um, I asked him in return if he had found one because that was part of his perfect script was like, you know, if you're going to go to counseling, I'll also go so that I can work on my issues and then we can come together and do them together. Um, and he then said, no, this wasn't his issue. Um, so that was like the first thing that I remember just being like, this was my attempt to be so um like I wanted us to work together and for whatever reason like your response like it was such a cycle of like I responded perfectly and then the next day I show my true colors and um he kept reiterating like God doesn't want this for us I can't even believe you'd entertain that like we promised that we would never entertain divorce and I believed him like I was just like yeah I why would I entertain this you know and Thankfully, I did end up in counseling. Now, it took me about six weeks to find um, a counselor that I was willing to stay with. And I'm so glad that it took me those six weeks uh, because my counselor is like, oh, my gosh, she's like the most incredible person, the best counselor I've ever had, mm -hmm. um, which has just been so, so healing for me. Um, but uh in my conversations with her, that was the first time that I really started to figure out, okay, how do I leave this person without right. setting him off? How do I almost like live my life in secret to where he died, like his anger dies down and um, eventually I can get out um, as, as unharmed as possible. Um, and we went on a like hiking trip for our anniversary that year and in the middle of the woods he asked me if our marriage like this is how he said it our marriage good now like almost like that's it and I said yeah because we're in the middle of the woods there's no one else around our child is not with us we were on like a two-day hiking trip um what how was I going to say anything else like I just remember being like if I actually answered honestly uh I don't know that we're going to make it out of here truly. Um, so I did. Um, yeah, that's the first like climax I would say. And the thing that really started to show me, Oh, like 
this is really not good. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just like, I'm really grateful that you came across her. Huge advocate for therapy. I think therapy's great. I think it's hard to find good therapists because, I mean, finding a match is just challenging. But once you do find somebody who aligns with you, it's a game changer. Um, so I'm really happy that you came across somebody who could like start to kind of open your mind up and have you ask those hard questions. Um, as you're realizing on this hike, like we're not good, but I can't say anything because I don't know how you're going to respond. And if we're going to come out of this alive, what made you leave and explain, like, can you explain the aftermath as well of the abuse? Um, yeah, I mean, it took me a little while to really decide, like from that point, um, of us, like from the point that I initially left, which was me just basically saying, I want us to be separated for a little bit. Let's, can we go to marriage counseling and see if we can work this out? I was still very much like in that mindset. Um, that was like three and a half months, um, before I like actually left, like moved out, like I'm done. There's no coming back. Um, and our marriage counseling played a big part in that. Um, it was honestly as terrible as it was, it was really eye-opening to me, um, to see his reaction in those sessions. Um, this is also where, uh, when I told him, you know, I'm, I would like us to separate and go to marriage counseling, that this is when he said, you know, since I've been on vacation, can we get a quick one? Because if, if you don't, I'm going to do things that you're going to regret because I'm, I'm here alone now. Um, I did not oblige and I left and, um, you know, he didn't love that, but, um, I would say the post separation abuse was probably worse than we were together. Um, and it still has not let up. Um, it was now public knowledge, which, as someone who really cares about their image, he did not like. Uh, so he made sure to inform me several times that everyone he talked to thought I was being extreme. Um, and this was like people that we went to church with. And so people that I was friends with and just like, oh, they all think you're being extreme. Um, like you don't need to be doing this, leaving, separating, like none of that is necessary type of a thing. Um, but then would deny ever saying that to the counselor. Um, he, the church required that we begin counseling individually and like I'd already started that, but he had to start counseling individually and we did marriage counseling. And then we also had a couple from the church that was required to like mentor us. Um, so we had to do all of those things. Um, and he essentially became like what I describe as like a nice guy, like all of a sudden I'm going to do the dishes. I'm going to uh, you know, make the bed. I'm going to buy you cake pops from the bakery. Like it was just so many random things that like weren't even the root of the issue that he started doing um, to show me, quote unquote, that, you know, he was a good guy and that I had no reason to leave. Um, so because of that, like all these people are looking at our relationship like oh he's trying like he's putting forth the effort to to continue to be with her like how great is that um 
I didn't even at the time know that there were resources that could help me as far as like, um, you know, any sort of anything that allowed me to go on record about the fact that it was an abusive relationship. I did not know about, or maybe I knew about them, but I just thought that those were for more extreme types of abuse. Like, you know, I can't go to a, a DV shelter because I haven't been through XYZ or like, I can't file any sort of anything. I can't call the police. Like none of this is extreme enough. So I did basically nothing. Um, and we continue to do all these counseling and mentoring things. Um, and then I will never forget one. This would, I would say it was like a huge, uh, wake up call for me. Um, but he told me one night when we were doing a, we did this like journal thing where we would like talk about our weeks. And it was something that he asked while we were working on our marriage, if we would like he wanted to do that during that time frame. Mm -hmm. So we were doing this journal. It was very interesting. Um, and none of them, like just spoiler alert, like the three or four times we did the journal, they never went well. Um, it was, it was always more gaslighting and all the things, but this particular time he told me, um, that he hoped he wouldn't wake up tomorrow because he couldn't live without me being in his life. And, I took that seriously. I'm very trained, like I'm trained to respond to situations like that. And so I had someone like call and basically assess him for suicidal ideation and all those things. Mm -hmm. um, and the next day he asked me if I changed my mind and if I was willing to stay in his life so that he would get to live. Um, which that in itself was already like, pretty terrible but the worst part was when I brought it up in counseling the next day um he acted as if that never happened like I must have misunderstood what he said um just complete denial like what is she talking about um you know I would never say something like that mm -hmm. um and I Oh, that it was so like, I just remember I was like, I am again, I already felt crazy, but this is like, I'm psychotic. Like I cannot live like this forever. And I think that was the week that I ended up saying, like, I am asking for a divorce because again, at the time I still wasn't ready to just leave him without telling. I didn't think that that was like something that I was allowed to do. So I said, I'm going to, you know, I want a divorce. Um, and he said he would, allow that when he was ready. Um, and I, that is what led me to be like, okay, well, he'll never be ready. So I'm going to just move out one weekend. And I moved out with, um, I mean, we don't live that far from each other. Um, it's like 30 minutes, but I moved out and took as, you know, took some of our things. I left him with most of our things. Um, but I took some of it and he, told the people that he found out that helped me moved that they should have tried harder to save our marriage. Um, he also called my parents after finding out that I left and told them that I must be pretty crazy, um, that he was so worried about me that they needed to locate where I was. Wow. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, it was rough. Um, and then this could be a whole new episode in itself, so probably won't be able to get into a ton of these details, but family court, as you have had many people on here talk about, uh, has been pretty rough. Wow. Um, 
I did file for full custody of our child at the time. I mean, she was so little, um, but I didn't get that. Like he ended up taking, he, well, I guess I should backtrack. He lost his job um, and then took a very low paying job um, purposefully. Uh, and he, at the time only had her like once a week, like he would only see her like once a week and it would only be during her sleeping hours. That was the only time he would ask for is when she was asleep. Um, but then to my surprise, we went to court for the first time and he, there was lies upon lies upon lies and the judge just granted him 50, 50. Um, and now, I mean, it's stuck. Unfortunately, it's been that for almost a year, I guess, um, which has been very, very difficult. Um, he is big on equality. So something that he, I mean, I'm thankful he hasn't tried to file for more custody time. Um, but he's been, his version of the story is that we were equal caregivers in the marriage. So now we should have exactly equal time. So like down to the hour of this is how much time, like if, if one of us is two minutes late for a drop-off or two minutes early, then the next person has to adapt the following week um, to make sure that it's like equal down to the minute, um, which has just been the most, oh, it, it's, it, it's just rough. Um, we're also in uh, counseling that he requested and the judge granted as well. Um, so I have to see him through counseling and through exchanges. And we also have daily phone calls, um, all the things. So that's been rough. Yeah. <clears throat> um, just, I'm gonna, so we have about 10 minutes left, um, because I have therapy. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if we have time to, I don't know if we need to cut this into a smaller little portion later, or if you feel like we can get through this in 10 minutes, I don't think we can. Uh, the last three questions. Um, yeah, probably not. 10 minutes is pretty quick. <laughs> um, but we can always jump back on just for like, even like 20 minutes. Um, and we can, I can just release like a small little episode of the rest of your story. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize how, um, long this would, it's good. It's all like super good, but I don't really want to like I don't really want to like skip over anything because I just think that there's a lot to unpack still. Um, I guess in response to that, I think it's hard like to be, to be the primary caretaker and like be the only one to take care of your kid and then, then be like, well, I want to be just, I want to have equal participation in my child's life. It's like, well, you didn't do that when you were living in our home. Um, but it's really just power and control is what it is. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, let's see, let me, um, let's talk about, so we have a few more minutes. What, let's talk about the challenges you faced in the aftermath of abuse, like uh, your nervous system. Yeah. So regulating my nervous system has been just the biggest challenge, um, because I still have to face him. I mean, really daily, if you include phone calls, um, that's just been the biggest thing that I've been working through. Uh, he has just made himself to be the victim. Um, he tells our daughter at most exchanges uh, because she screams her head off um, 
going towards him, but he says, you know, he would have never chosen this life for her, um, that this was not his choice. Um, there's also just a lot of like spiritual manipulation that, uh, due to, you know, the Christian side of things, I feel like gives a whole new aspect to, um, like spiritual manipulation is just so, so dangerous and like weaponizing scripture to fit what you want it to fit. Um, and so, I mean, he's, he teach, he quote unquote teaches me how to be a parent. Um, he's constantly asking me questions, um, to show that I can co-parent, um, and I said, we have to do counseling. So, uh, I mean, I guess a big part of like me just learning that when I'm around him to almost like mitigate my trauma responses. Um, and that looks like constantly telling myself, uh, you know, that I'm safe. I can trust myself, um, that, you know, I should trust myself. I live in a different space now. Uh, you know, he cannot have access to this space. Um, and also just reminding myself that like, I am a good mom. I think it's really easy with the constant messages and the questioning and the teaching and all of these things. Uh, and for him to just suddenly, like all of a sudden out of the blue, random, suddenly I'm this incredible caretaker. And I just have to remind myself that like, I don't need to defend the fact that I don't like, I don't have to like showcase that, I guess. Like I, I'm a good mom and I'm safe for my daughter without having to put that on display or belittle someone else in order to show that. Um, so yeah, I, I think those are the things that I'm like working through the most now um, and just trying to get myself to a personally healthy space uh, for not just like future romantic relationships, if that is a thing, but just like even other relationships, my friendships, mentors, like my job and all of the things that make up my life um, as a mom, just learning that he doesn't have control anymore. Like, yes, there are things that because having a child for, I mean, I guess you could say there's still some control there because of that. But at the same time, like I am my own person and I don't have to fall under his authority uh, anymore. Um, yeah. So that's just like what, what the last, I mean, however many months have looked like uh, really for the last year or so, but I feel like every month is just getting th like through therapy and, um, sitting with my own story is just getting better. Yeah. I feel like also you're just having to unlearn a lot of things right now. Um, and I think, you know, there's a huge stigma in the church around like divorced women. Um, and I think it's pretty, it's not surprising, but it's like pretty just, I'm like the audacity that he has to like tell you, well, this isn't the life that I would have chose for you. Like to play like the victim narrative when like he's the reason why you guys are here. Yeah. It's not surprising, but it's disgusting. Hey guys. Um, so I'm actually gonna be ending the episode here. Um, I am gonna be releasing a mini episode with the remainder of Britney's story. Um, so be on the lookout before Thursday. I am going to be releasing like a mini uh episode and then we'll still release next Thursday another story. 
Um, thank you for being here. If you feel moved by What Was Her Name, please rate the podcast on What Was Her Name on Spotify or Apple Podcast or um, write a review on Apple Podcast. Love you guys. Thanks.